Welcome to a very special Startup World Cup Summit podcast, where I interview the friend of mine, Jan Beranek, who's currently a CEO of U+, a venture building company located basically all around the world. I would like to discuss Jan's journey from Ostrava through Prague, New York to San Francisco. We will also touch a um, topic of motivation in business, how social pressure is connected into reshaping business ideas, conscious capitalism, and building global distributed task force. Jan started coding when he was only 14. He started his, uh, his first company when he was 20. And after suffering mental health issues, he refocused and recently started focusing on social impact and conscious capitalism and is building the next generation of the company around those ideas in US, EU and the Middle East. Let me welcome Jan Berane. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome you to yet another podcast of Startup World Cup and Summit. This tremendous name uh, is <laughs> brought today <laughs> the friend of mine, Jan, with whom we have started a company in New York a while ago. And I left state, he didn't. And this is the reason why we're sitting here because I want to know what happened in his life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for accepting my invitation, Jan. Good to be here. I'm really glad. And uh, it's not all the time that people I'm interviewing are, are my real friends. And this time you are. So it's double, double, double the pleasure. Somebody was knocking on the door. So I hope that's, it's a dog. <laughs> it's a dog. Too excited about the chewy thing. Yeah, that might be the case. Right. So we will touch on topics of conscious capitalism today. We will also touch on topics of getting back to community. Uh, we will possibly look into a cultural clash of when a person is going to States and trying to, you know, have a success there. Uh, and we'll try to look how your Czech part was, I would say, partially washed away. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> right. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Let me only start with a brief introduction and then it will be all yours. Cool. Uh, so when we, when we discussed your very beginnings with technology, you mentioned that when you were 14 years old, Uh, you programmed the first <laughs> website of <laughs> Mika Hakkinen, uh, fan page, which is good because once you program, <laughs> once you programmed this and once you finished, you had the full opportunity of play age of empires for the rest of the day. <laughs> so I guess the quality was really high. Yeah. It was when I was, I think 13 or 14 or something. And I went to the summer camp twice. One was for, um, I think video editing and the other one was for, for websites mm -hmm. and the, and the schedule was always in the morning, you learn things in the afternoon, <laughs> you play games, which then it was like age of empires two And I think quake or something, All right. unreal tournament. All right. So yeah, in that we used Microsoft front page, which has nothing to do with actual coding, mm -hmm. but yeah, I created my fan page for Mika Hekinen, which was my hero for, from Formula one. Oh, yeah. And then only a year later, you started to sell your skills on the market. Yeah. So, so I was, uh, uh, my dad was a technical, uh, technical manager at like a waste disposal company. And as my first like summer, summer job, when I went and, uh, sort of sorted recycled paper. And while I was recycling the paper, uh, I found an ad for somebody wanting to build, to build a website uh, for, I don't know, $200. And I knew it would take me a week, but the whole summer job 
took, I think three weeks or something and was like $150. So it was like, oh, that's, I, be- <laughs> I should better make these websites. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, you've done that. Uh, starting from 2009, uh, you, you have founded the U plus yep. in the very beginning. It was a, it was a Czech studio focused heavily on, on website yeah. and web apps. So I'm a, I'm from a small town in Eastern Czech Republic, Ostrava, where, um, the reason why we founded U plus was because a, a small company, uh, transportation company, uh, wanted to build a website, mm-hmm. but they didn't want to work with freelancers. Mm-hmm. So, and so we literally for a $1,000 project, we had to found a company. So that's, that's the reason why U plus was started. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then. Later on, 2012, we have started a company together. It was called yep. Cliché Killers. And then we killed it as a cliché in 2016. <laughs> <Too> cliche. <laughs> it was too cliché. <laughs> we sold it to our partner, Flavia, who killed it later on. So I think she integrated into Branding Magazine, no? Uh, I, I think she did. I think yep. she did. And she made some great relationship with the people she's been working for. Mm-hmm. And we have been working for as well. And I still remember that culture clash when we arrived to New York and we had our first pitch, right? And we were pitching it basically everywhere. We, yeah. we were shameless, which is good because Czech people are not usually shameless, right? They're yeah. f- full of blocks in their heads. So that's, uh, that's, I think that was our, I think that was our strong suit. On the other <laughs> hand, <laughs> it was ignorance that, that helped us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but on the other hand, I have to say that everybody in state, I, I had this feeling that everybody in the States, including a cleaning lady would be, you know, having much better pitches than we had back then. True. <laughs> but, true. but I think, <laughs> I think we managed to change that during our first day in, in New York. Mm-hmm. And I remember that we brought some first contacts by the end of the stay. So tell me a little bit of this. I mentioned that in the very beginning that you sort of washed away part of your Czech persona, I guess. I, I don't, I don't feel that when we switch to Czech, which only a little note for our listeners. The reason why we're speaking in English is that Jan has a bigger fan base in, in the States <laughs> than, than in the Czech Republic. Yeah, so fans, please yeah, like, and subscribe. Yes. And I, <laughs> we were not to push everybody to study Czech. Uh, so that, that would be the reason, but getting back to my point of washing away, mm-hmm. uh, partially washing away part of your Czech persona. T- tell me a little bit about that and how the culture that you brought into States was maybe sometimes, you know, a, a good thing. And sometimes it was a, a blocker. Right. So I think roots are important and there's, there's a lot that's great about the Czech Republic. Um, you know, people are ingenious technologically. Uh, they're very smart. I think what's holding us back is it's just the centuries of somebody ruling over us, right? And and it's been only 30 years um, since since we had, um, you know, f- free reign over what we want to do. Yeah. And I think we'll st- we'll we're still finding our ways. And mm-hmm. it's just a fun fact from whenever I come back, and I just came back after half a year uh, in the in the states. And I was listening to a guy uh, talking to his child, and he said, "Look, are you normal?" And I was like, this is such a weird thing to say. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely. Um, and but it's but it's normal in Czech. And I was wondering, mm. like, why do we why do we say that? Mm. And and I thought what well, was in communism where if you are normal, like the same as everybody else, it yeah. was bad. Yeah. Versus when you go outside of the like now of the Czech Republic, you have to be special somehow, right? right. You have to right. stand out. Right. So the are you normal? 
um, you know, question the dad wanting the child to be normal is actually against that child's future. And yeah. that's just the sort of spark of thought that I had. So hmm. I think it's important where we come from. Um, what U.S. does well is for people who have ambition and drive and want to work hard. And you really have to work hard. In New York, everybody everybody knows that. <clears throat> who lives there? It's a love and hate relationship, <laughs> as we true. know. That's true. Um, you, you can rise to the top. And and we tried, we tried expanding to... Other parts of Europe, we tried China as well. And while there was some limited success, it was never, it, it always mattered where we're from mm -hmm. versus in New York. At least I would say, I'm not speaking about US generally, I'm speaking about big cities. Uh, that's my, that's the experience that I have. So New York, San Francisco, mm -hmm. <clears throat> places like that. It doesn't matter where you, where you, where you're from, as long as you're doing a good job, you're going to start getting recommended. That's true. And, uh, and that's, and, and that's how it goes. Mm -hmm. And this is how it started for you. So after we killed cliche, cliche killers, uh, you focused on your own agency yep. or company, I would say it's no longer an agency. Now you focused on U plus and you went to the other coast, uh, to Silicon Valley to start yeah. a big conversation. So tell me about the beginning, like what, what was the first lead there and how, how did it feel back then when you packed your stuff into a new location and you started fresh there. Right. So I, th so the cliche killers experience was super important because I think later, I think 2016 or something like that, we, we really went there with U plus. It was good uh, for your English. Yeah. It was good for my English. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also cultural understanding and even things like, I don't know how much I should charge for things, mm -hmm. right? How, mm -hmm. what is comparable and yeah, I remember those discussions by yeah, the way. Yeah. So, so I think that was, that experience was really important. So the next time I came to the U S which is first to New York, I was able to close something like $150,000 project mm -hmm. within, um, a month and a half, which was relatively big for us uh, at that time. And, and my target was to close like $10,000 so that we can mm -hmm. something like $10,000 a month so we can, you know, hire somebody, start an office there and have a presence. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I don't think I, I would have been able to do that had I not had the experience with cliche killers before. So in New York, it's, um, it started this way and, and we grew, we always grew through partnerships. So mm -hmm. find partners who have good networks and then, uh, we do what we do best. They do what they do best and, and try to grow together. Um, it hasn't always been easy. And, and I think in the early, uh, in the early times, the cultural difference of sort of the unspoken things that you expect when you do business was something that we just weren't aware of. Uh, mm. You're trying to build a te technical thing and specification says one thing, but the person expects some, something else and we expect something else. And then the scissors sort of open more and more if you don't communicate well. Uh, so we learned to communicate much, much more and more and more and be much more transparent. Uh, not that we weren't before, but just like be blunt about this is what it is. This is when, when it can happen. And, mm -hmm. and these are the implications and risks. So San Francisco m was more... Um, I felt like we already made it enough in New York and San Francisco was the ultimate, uh, ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. And it, quite honestly, I think we came, we, we came too early. We weren't all that set in New York just yet. Yeah. We should have spent more time and we were spreading ourselves too, too thinly. Um, right now it's, it's a different, it's a different time with COVID. We do business from here. Uh, in Prague or from anywhere, pretty much with anyone, and you don't really have to. You don't really have to travel. But previously, it was very important for me to 
go there and be with the people and understand mm-hmm. how they behave, um, what they talk about, mm-hmm. what the culture is like, with, you know, what jokes do they tell each other, right? What, so, what jokes did you learn? Uh, I, I, so Czechs have very self-deprecating humor yeah. and, uh, a lot of that humor that is in Europe is differences between different nations. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a lot of that has to do with the wars in the 20th century, which it's, I think it's, it's a way of coping, uh, right, right. with what happened right. and it just doesn't translate at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it just doesn't translate. Okay. Um, so I remember I'm a mentor for Google, uh, startups now in in uh in silicon valley and i've done a lot of mentoring over there and then the american guys came over to europe and suddenly they had european mentors and we were telling all of these like really bad jokes you did that you know self-deprecating jokes yeah and the americans felt really un, you know uncomfortable it's like hey brett look this is europe <laughs> it's really funny <laughs> so i think cultural uh under, under, understanding what people hmm. are comfortable with with hmm. be tolerant about about it I think what this what this all all made me just, just much more tolerant about people's beliefs and 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 try to understand and yeah I I think even with the baseline of Czech jokes you've managed to create a company that is about to have around fifteen million dollars revenue for yeah. this year so if, fingers, if things go well fingers crossed <laughs> to, to to reach the level but I think it's pretty good for a company that is currently having a team of sixty five or ish sixty five ish. Yeah people that are, and this was a a, a big surprise after our last conversation Mm -hmm. that you said that you are not longer a sort of like Czech American or American Czech uh, company, Mm -hmm. but you are a global company and that you have guys around the globe that are working, you know, just remotely on the projects. So the company never sleeps, sort of. Almost. Which, (laughs) but you look good. Yeah, no, I I get some sleep. I'm fine. But but this is interesting. I think for me, the shift from this like Czech Americanism to a true globalism, uh, Mm -hmm. something happened in you and in the company. So tell me what, and then I would like to touch the topics that are now covered heavily by you in the, or will be in the future, which is conscious capitalism Mm -hmm. and, and then also you plus health. So cool. Right. Um, so the, the, the global company thing. So I think one of the biggest successes that we've had in the past year is COVID hit us hard, Mm. uh, with customers here, but I am extremely proud of our team who sort of stuck with us. We had to cut our salaries by half for three months. We repaid everything, Mm -hmm. but at that time it was very, very uncertain. And, um, and and it is sort of a testament to the transformation that happened in a company in the past two years with Ann Hoffender joining as a chief of staff and mm-hmm. uh, and other people that that we brought on later. Um, and and a lot of those people, we we always had a sort of I was lo- I always look for sports people or musicians uh, because that's a good proxy for people who know how to work and know that for you to be good at something, you have to train really hard, right? Mm. Um, so we've always had that. So we had a certain persona inside the company. But what I think has changed, regardless of of any U.S. Uh, you know, involvement, was we started suddenly into this culture hiring people that are from somewhere but mm. move somewhere else. So we have a lady from India who grew up in Dubai who now lives in Prague. Mm-hmm. We have an art CTOS Czech guy who lives in the U.S. 
Uh, our revenue ops uh, guy is a guy who was born in Belarus, grew up in the Netherlands, Hong Kong, Hungary, and now mm -hmm. lives in Prague, right? So it, it, I think it, it shows um, and, and feels like we're just hiring only these kinds of people uh, now in the, or have been in the past year, which is great because those people bring different perspectives mm -hmm. and also bring more, more tolerance. Um, because you bring your assumptions to a different place and you just need to understand how people work so, so that you can live comfortably there. Mm -hmm. So I think COVID, uh, we dropped our offices in Prague um, last year and became fully remote. Mm -hmm. And then a, a, we, start, we formed a partnership with, partnership with uh, our new managing partner in, in the Valley, Sean Shepard, who's responsible for, uh, for, the, for, for uh, the Americas. And uh, since then, we have 13 people in the U.S. So if even even if we even if COVID hadn't hit uh, and we um, hadn't gone truly remote, we right. would have had we would have had to figure it out. Uh, now having people, there, there are no two people except for Sean and his wife that mm -hmm. are in the same city in the U.S. Mm -hmm. right? There's people in L.A., San Francisco, North Carolina, Vermont, Arizona. Toronto. So did you change something in you? Because I remember when we were working together uh, in the Cliché Killers company, mm -hmm. we we usually had tough discussions yep. and I appreciated the tough discussions, but there are, you know, not everybody appreciates tough yeah. discussions because I think, you know, criticism leads ultimately to a better product or to better approach or better thought in general. Yeah. But some people are just not that open-minded. Tell me, like, did you have to change that? I think that's the checkness that I had to brush off. Right. Uh, I think right. we are very direct. I, I don't think we're as direct as the Israelis. It's, <laughs> it's very like, this is what it is. A rock is a rock. <laughs> um, but I, I had to find ways of communicating the same sentiment, but mm -hmm. in a way that people accept it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so that's what I had to change about, change, change about myself, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, but also selecting for the people that are okay with this sort of direct communication and I think my biggest failure in 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 working with people is not selecting for those people and then trying to account for the way they like to communicate which made me less efficient mm -hmm. and when we needed to grow rapidly mm -hmm. it it wasn't a good thing and I was and I stayed in it too long yeah there's so, not enough time for babysitting everybody basically and then I mean it's important to bring people up in the company and I think it's a big value for us mm -hmm. even when we had to part ways with some of the people uh, early this year But it is, a, again, it, it's a testament to Anne's leadership who, mm. who, because we knew it's, it, the people are not, we're in a good match for us, but they're, they're great, they're great people. Mm. So she actually uh, went out of her way to, to help, um, to help one of the people find, find a good job, find a new job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the care that I think is new with the new plus within the last couple of years. And mm. that's good. And I'm glad to see that. I think. It's very interesting that you came up with the topic of conscious capitalism, because mm -hmm. I think even in the Anglo-Saxon culture, it's quite new trend, right? It was mm -hmm. defined only in 2018, if I remember correctly. So this is quite a, a, a late trend, let's say. So would you, would you be so kind and define what does it mean for you and for your mm -hmm. company and what values would, would you like to spread? So can, can I tell a little bit of backstory of why it's important? Please do. So, um, I, what happened with Uplus is um, the bigger backstory for Uplus. Yes, we started as a tech, tech company, but we slowly started adding, you know, out of, I would say out of necessity, out of roles. So 
oh, we didn't have a project manager. Well, if, if we have a project manager, the project runs better. So we had a project manager. Oh, but you know, the, the backlog isn't organized well. So we need a product owner. Great. So we had product owners suddenly. Well, the product isn't the best product that we could be building. And we suddenly know that. So we added a product manager. Mm -hmm. Well, then is that, then the question is, is that the product that we should be building? Right. Well, okay. and we already knew that sometimes it isn't right. So we added what we call now the commercialization lead. Mm -hmm. So we work alongside, uh, uh, work alongside the people in the corporations to, uh, to get our experience, skill set, and mindset in place for them to run through a you know standardized sort of user reverse engineering process to get to what is it that need needs to be built. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of how how U Plus evolved. But through that evolution, uh, and, and sorry, and the reason why we why we exist, ninety five percent of the nations fail, right? Mm -hmm. And in corporations, it's it's much larger, and it's exactly because they don't have the the skill set mindset and experience right. that's necessary in, in different stages of evolution of these ideas uh, when you bring a digital business online. Potentially also the process is quite rigid, right? In corporations. Yeah, the processes are set for operating in mm. a, a working well-oiled machine, yeah. not for trying new things that's true. And, and failing and trying to fail rapidly, et cetera. It's just that's a different, true. it's just a different track. Mm -hmm. um, so, so in becoming this company, um, I had to travel back and forth. And what happened for me mentally was I literally was, I think 2017, I had like 60 flights of Prague, New York, New York, San Francisco, San Francisco, Prague, which was no life. Uh, but, yeah. it, but I think it was important. Uh, good frequent flyer miles. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good but, thing. But yeah. what, uh, I, I think what was important there, it was rapid learning for me, hmm. but I could, I could never, I, I don't know if, I don't know why I could never translate it well to people who are here mm. of what kind of a company we need to be so that, uh, so that we succeed in the U S and as we're growing and I need to add more structures like a COO, et cetera, who would run the Prague operation. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd be too, like, I would be too far away. Not there, not there enough. And then problems happen. Right. And one of the problems was, uh, was big where we, where we couldn't deliver well on a project. And what that did to me was I just had a panic attack dealing with all of this. And for me, that was a very, it never happened to me before. It's a very strong experience. And, and that time is like, I never want to experience this again. It's not worth it. Uh, health is number one. Hmm. And it's like 2018-ish. I, I, I remember you've been thinking of switching the career completely and, and going to a corporation where you can use your skill set. But then you, you figured you would not and, and you would push it forward and basically stay with the company. And I mm -hmm. think it paid off because I remember our coffee when we were discussing that in 2018. Yeah. So, so what's, what scared me to no end was when I started talking to my friends like you about hmm. it. Hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember if you specifically, but, but a lot of my friends said, oh yeah, you need these pills. Or here's a number to a doctor. Go talk. Go <laughs> no. talk to the doctor. You're, you're going to be fine. Sorry, no magic pills at my side. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was like, how? And my my friend by my friends, I mean uh, other founders, CEOs, uh, right. people like that, who who I could confide in and they could relate, hmm. right? To you know, so so they don't seem like you know you're living a great life. You're traveling back and forth. How can you be unhappy, right? Um, so. Um, and, and then I, I started doing my research, um, and found that 75% of top executives and founders have mental health issues mm -hmm. and over 50% of these, these numbers are from the U S and, and 50%, over 50% of people 
are disengaged at work. Mm. So our society right now, at least the Western society, is you have mentally ill people leading people who don't want to be there. Right. No, yeah. Which is which, which is just not right. Right. Mm-hmm. So since 2018, I started. I tried to figure out like what is it that I can do with it, and mm-hmm. we did. We we did a calculation of so how much. What have we done with U plus? Mm-hmm. And we've created over a billion dollars back then. We haven't updated the number because whatever it's it's, it's good enough. Okay. <laughs> a billion dollars in 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 new value uh, in in the businesses that we brought to market mm-hmm. over 80, 80 plus now. And so, does it matter? If we do that and the, the society is still like this mm. and three fourths of my friends have these issues, but nobody's talking about it, I, I don't, I don't think it's right. Right. So what can I do about it? And that started a, a, a long path, uh, for me until uh, let's, you know, fast forward to, to now where I published the article on LinkedIn about conscious capitalism, social business. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to find a way of, un, un, unless you want to change the, the, the whole mechanism of our economy um you have to we have to work within uh within companies that make money and mm-hmm. that's how you value that what you do has has some value for somebody else right mm-hmm. so how can you join that with not screwing the people that work for you or or yourself and actually turn it into how first how to minimize the harm and then mm-hmm. how to turn it into something positive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think we've done a lot of work internally for minimizing the harm for the people that we work with, at least from the feedback that we're getting. I'm relatively confident to say that. And and um, and now we're trying to let's talk. We can talk later about how you know what we want to do to implement uh, inside the company so that we can actually have positive impact outside. But uh, but to actually answer your question about conscious capitalism, for me, conscious capitalism is a uh, is a is a framework where the the biggest difference to me is that you widen widen the range of of the stakeholders that you look at. Mm-hmm. that are relevant for your business. So okay. no longer it is just the shareholders or your immediate employees or your customers, but it's the location you're at, the ecosystem there, the community there, the spouses of your of your employees, even the competitors, the local government. Okay. And and trying to fi- figure out how you can impact this positively. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the word impact because impact, we, we've done some research. It's, last, it's been it, abused, right? The word, it's been so abused. So it's, it's close to no, it has close to no meaning yeah. uh, right now. I think it's, it's too broad, mm-hmm. right? So how can you positively influence, uh, in, in a positive sense of the word, um, uh, the communities around you so that when you leave, the world is a better place mm-hmm. than if you hadn't been there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's for me the the essence of conscious capitalism, and in the research that I've done in the past years, um, a, a lot of the discussion was so what is a social impact business, and a social and I, and I, I got a great answer from a guy at uh, Norgen uh, VC in in Sweden. Um, they said, well, for us, it's a, a social impact business is such that for every unit of impact, you generate a unit of profit. And, mm. and it's ingrained in, in that business model. Um, so you can't take it away. So there's no, the CEO cannot decide to turn forego, the company evil. Yeah. To forego yeah. impact because, because they would, they would stop making, mm. st- stop making money. And it, it actually might be connected with the market that is developing towards such ideas. I think even customers are now more, uh, sensitive. Yeah. 
into, you if know, you have the money for it, yeah, then and and you can choose and you can uh, vote with your dollars. You, yeah, people start doing that. Yeah, I think vote with your dollars is really good. You know, definition of what mm-hmm. you're just saying. So, the market is getting towards you with this need, and you are supplying whatever is needed. But I'm wondering what change internally within Ian because mm-hmm. I think to, to switch your orientation from dollar only into impact and you know a dollar comes along this requires maybe some change within a person that is leading the pack so i'm wondering like what was the did you did you start meditating or only talking <laughs> i'm not to great at meditation i always i always are, start and always try and you're restless right yeah i'm restless uh, um i don't i honestly i don't know what changed to me the panic attack was enough Um, and okay. it was a trigger of something else that's, that's been there before. And I've been talking about wanting to put money in charities, but I like, it, it didn't feel like enough. Uh, so we put uh, a million into this charity or that, like, how mm. have we, but we continue running the same mm. business mm. that might mean may, that might not be the best business for, uh, f- for, 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 for the community that we're in. So that, that doesn't feel right. Right. Because you've built an argument that was saying, basically, if I die, You know, what would yeah. be left of me? And yeah. I think- Is this, that meaningful? Is that better yeah. than what it was before? Yeah. And I think people are just not asking this question too much and they, they should be. And maybe, or possibly that's just, you know, just my wrapping my head around that. Maybe this was the output of your breakdown. You know, like you were close to- uh, Of course, like it wasn't suicidal. I remember you. Like we're still drinking coffee, but but you've seen the bot. You know, you've seen the bottom of it, and yeah. potentially it might be transformative. You know, when when you go through that. So, do you think this might be the spark? Yeah, I th- uh, yeah, that's definitely was the trigger. Um, mm. But I'm just saying that it was there before, but I but I didn't feel the need after yeah. this. I, I felt the need. And I, and I remember a discussion. I was part of the honors Academy, which is at the uh, university of economics here, mm-hmm. top hundred students in the Czech Republic. And mm-hmm. I remember, I think, I think it was management of international companies or something. It was the very first class that I went to after being accepted. Mm. And I, I remember the, the teacher asking, and I had a strong feeling about like, you should first build up your company and then do good. It's like, why can't you do good now? Mm. And I'm like, I don't have the means to do good now. I, and I, I think that's the biggest change. Mm-hmm. And that's like eight years ago or something versus how I see things now. Mm. Okay. And is it somehow, or at least vaguely connected to what you do now with U plus health, because you are building a division that is yep. in the center of the division, there's focus on human health, yep. mental and also physical. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's on the path. So I think there's, We can't stop our current business and just say we we do bad things. We don't. We're we're great. We're successful. We're growing. So so it's fine. But I think we can. What I would like us to be is um, a, a beacon uh, of of light uh, that others feel free to copy the mm-hmm. models that we that we put together. Because I think that's going to make the world a better place. So U plus Health is is a division that we're setting up in Q 2 Um, this year, Q2, Q3, depending on on how we uh, how we manage it, focused on North America to do exactly what we do, but in healthcare. So mm-hmm. by that de- definition, we um, we we will be doing good uh, in transformation of of old healthcare to to new healthcare. My hope for that, uh, and, and I think that's a I don't know how realistic it is, but no country in the world has healthcare 
all countries in the world have ill care. So when you're ill, you go and doctors tell you to take pills or something, mm. right? But nobody's preventing it from happening. And the COVID, COVID thing is, is a good example. Why are we spending a trillion dollars in the US on a stimulus package for mm. people when the prevention could have happened a year, year ago? And the trillion dollars could have been put into the healthcare system, not stop the economy, educate the people, et cetera. Right. So that's just, that's a, that's a different mindset. No, it is. Uh, it is a this sort of a prevention of whatever is happening, mm -hmm. turning bad in your body. It makes a lot of sense. And I think there are now, um, processes there to sort of like reverse the flow of this ill business into a real healthcare business. But it requires a shift of people's thinking because they're sometimes they're, you know, stuck with the idea of, you know, the only doctor can bring me a real solution to my problem. And they, they never look outside of that box. And sometimes the solution of their problem might be that they only need to walk more during the day, or it might be that they need to change their diet, etc. And also they do not have data sometimes. Because so, so rich people do this, yeah. you, you pay for it and you have a person who understands the whole you, um, and, um, and give you exactly these recommendations, right? Hmm. But that's not sustainable and that's not scalable, right? So how can you do that at scale? At scale, you can do it by gathering a lot of data about people that needs to be somewhat private, um, or an anonymized if it mm -hmm. leaks or whatever, mm -hmm. but it needs to provide sufficient information to the doctor or whoever, wh whatever professional you need so that they can help you before things happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously we're seeing also many health tech companies mm -hmm. as a venture fund. So sometimes we see those innovations are being blocked by the way the healthcare system is built in Europe, especially because for example, we've seen one startup in Vienna that was using X-ray pictures, X-ray images in order to detect the first, you know, very first, the, the cancer stage in the very first days. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the doctor could not see it because it was just too, too tiny, etc. but the, the AI, it mm -hmm. could be learned in the way that, you know, it would detect the, the very start of the cancer cells. Mm -hmm. So, but the, the, the reason why they could not scale it up wasn't actually that the, the other hospitals would not like to have that, but it was connected with the GDPR processes and exactly what you just mentioned, you know, so, so the way how the healthcare system now is built might be blocking part of the ideas in Europe, but I'm wondering how the situation is in States now, like, is there more of a data driven healthcare now, or at least, you know, some, yeah, trends? yeah. There's uh, I can't remember the name, but there's a company in Silicon, uh, in Silicon Valley, some predictive healthcare, something, okay. um, they have clinics as well. So you have private healthcare, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm assuming that the trend there is, uh, pr private clinicians that are ambitious, uh, have the money to invest into technologies like that can start implementing it mm -hmm. and then have a contract with, um, with the individuals, but whom they, sh they, they gather the data mm -hmm. to, to use it exactly in this way. Yeah. Um, California has, I think it's uh, called CCPA, their version of GDPR, mm -hmm. right? So I, I think GDPR is not the best thing in the world, but it's certainly better than nothing, right? So we just need to be more conscious about how we use that data. Like, you know, half a, half a billion profiles just leaked on Facebook, you yeah. know, this past month or something like that. <laughs> you know, what sort of information is there? And mm -hmm. if you look at uh, 
if you put your email into these, I don't know what it's called. Like there's like a website where you can put your email and it, it tells you if, um, if your data leaked, my data leaked like five times or something. Okay. Right. It's always like a name, name, last name and, mm. and email, maybe so a phone number. You always need to type, type in your email and then your password, right? And it tells you, oh, it leaked. <laughs> 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 okay. Got it. Right. So we touched the topic of conscious capitalism, and but we, we didn't really speak enough about the diversity because you mentioned mm -hmm. also diversity and its importance. And I think you started to mention that two, three years ago. I was okay. during that period when you were tiny bit down in your life, but, or in your career, mm -hmm. but you, then you brought this idea that the company should sort of embrace the difference of cultures. And this is interesting to me. So tell me on how many places do you have now your people? I, I think. Did you mention Alaska or was it Siberia? Siberia. Siberia. So we have, I, I joke about that, we have Kendall in LA and uh, Roman in, in Siberia. It's very cold. <laughs> yeah, it is. Heavy he, he sends us pictures from, uh, I think he's in no Novosibirsk. Okay. So he sends us pictures <laughs> minus, minus 40 degrees. <laughs> so All hey, right. what's up? <laughs> All right. So people stop complaining about your local yeah. weather. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I actually don't know in, in how many places... Like the, the, the funny thing is we have, a, there's a lot of Slovak people, right. In uh, just in Prague, we have a lot of Slovak people in the company mm, mm. and suddenly they were in Slovakia. I didn't know. Right. Cause everybody's remote and, and not that it matters. Our CFO travels between Czech Republic and France. Also, I, you know, so I don't know where he is. It, it doesn't really matter as long as we, um, you know, as, as, as the work's done. So, uh, I think we have something like 15 nationalities or something like 20 nationalities. Uh, in the company, um, it, I think it happened with the sort of a culture that we create and the kind of people that had sort of gone down through the funnel, uh, through our hiring funnel. And I, I think by now it's just self-selection. So I think diversity is important for, um, for bridging gaps in cultures. Mm. Uh, and bring it, but also bringing people closer together because what I find is like you said, how much checkness did I have to sort of rough off? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, that happens every, every culture has something that needs to be sort of smoothened out mm -hmm. so that they can in, in, integrate well mm -hmm. with others. And I think we found such people for you plus where if a, a, a a good discourse can happen. Good, good discussion where you can exchange ideas and criticism without mm -hmm. people getting uh, upset or whatever. Um, that's, that's a really great one. That's a really great place to work because you never have to second guess anything, but, but also it brings up ideas that wouldn't normally come up because right. you're open to those ideas. And the, when I get, when I go back to what I said that we have people, somehow people who were born somewhere and live somewhere else, um, Th that is enabled by the tolerance that I think is brought about by traveling and, mm. and, and understanding different cultures. Mm. So I think that is diversity compared with this brings up one really great culture where just today I, I shared the Škoda Enyaq, the, the, the new electric car Škoda, because in the U.S. there's no Škodas and it's part of the Czech culture. Mm. I was like, hey guys, just mm. so you know. Finally, a moment of proudness or one of these. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so there is still part of your Czechness built in Jan. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> good to know. <laughs> do you still drink Czech beer or do you I never like beer? Bread? Really? Okay. That, that explains it. I, I remember us drinking that in a bar though in New York. Yeah. But, Cause but in then New the so, so the thing terrible. is, the, the thing is 
that's a that's a funny thing about Czech Republic. Everybody knows Pilsner um, as a type of a beer, right? But we just have Pilsners here. <laughs> like the type, all the beers here are Pilsners. And when we're in in the U.S., I've I found there are other beers. Yeah, there were many. <laughs> it changed here as well. We yeah. were now like the microbreweries and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even for the beer culture, the diversity is good. <laughs> that sort of confirms that. <laughs> okay. Uh, apart from that, like usually when I have guests in my interview, I I try to ask them questions regarding to whatever they consume in terms of content. So uh-huh. could you recommend to our listeners some books and or movies or whatever influenced your thinking uh, lately? Yeah. So definitely Conscious Capitalism by John Mackey, Social mm-hmm. Business by... Um, Muhammad Yunus, um, and then that's just, you know, kind of business books. But but I recently, uh, I think last year, I read the whole Foundation series mm-hmm. uh, by Isaac Asimov, mm-hmm. which is just, it's just great. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the foundational, pun intended, uh, um, novels of, of sci-fi that's on the same level as Dune. And mm-hmm. I think we're lucky this year that I think Apple TV has Foundation as a series starting mm-hmm. at the end of this year and Dune, the Dune remake. Mm-hmm. is the, the first Dune movie was really horrible from the 80s. Yeah. Um, so this one looks, at least from the trailers, lo- looks looks really great. So th- 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 that's coming out, I think, uh, as well at the end of the year. Most, so that, yeah. a- and a- and surprisingly, um, uh, A Glass Bead Game by Her- uh, Herman Hesse, mm-hmm. which is about a, um, a society where the glass bead game is a game that you play, mm-hmm. that the beads make music, but the music also equals uh, scientific formulas. So making music is solving formulas. So like doing physics, math, chemistry, um, and just a beautiful concept. That's a good concept. I, maybe I might return to my turntables then, but it doesn't really <laughs> count for a, for a real musician, right? Does it? Well, well, people make a lot of money that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. So I think we went through it all. Uh, if you have anything to add, feel free we usually give the right of the last question to our guests. So, mm-hmm. so anybody who wants to talk about uh, conscious capitalism, very happy to talk about it or how to implement, you know, uh, the sort of thinking that we talked about here, feel free to reach out, reach out on, on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and yeah, stay safe <laughs> in COVID. It's, it's only a couple more months. Wear a mask, tip people so they can have good lives. And then hopefully next year we're going to be uh, better off for it. Thank you very much. Looking forward to see you and hear you again in the Czech Republic. You're leaving, I guess, in within yeah, in a couple weeks. Re- yeah. Okay. Okay. So then I'm interesting, interested in where the U plus will go and super interested wherever this U plus health brings you. Yeah, we, uh, us too. I think it's a good opportunity for us. Um, so we're, we're now putting things together. Hopefully we can make it in Q2, Q3. All right. Ciao. Ciao.